0: you should be. 2 Timothy 3:14 through 17 says, "But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convicted convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness." So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The scriptures are useful. I always think that's a really fun way to say it. They teach us, they rebuke us, they correct us, they train us. And that's why today we are talking about reading the Bible in community. Let's pray. God, you can do what I can't. God, I, I've, I've written, I've researched, I've tried to put down what I think you'd have me say, but God, only you can give me the words to speak, and, and only you, God, can open all of our ears to hear what you are saying. So this morning, Holy Spirit, empower us so that we can hear what you're telling us so we can better live on your mission. Amen. Truth is always true. Write that down. If your notes open at all, life, you can write that down. Truth is always true. In fact, let us uh, let me let me hear let me make sure I want to make sure you guys understand this. Say it with me. Truth is always true. But the truth is that truth is getting complicated sometimes, isn't it? Who here has heard the phrase, somewhere in passing, fake news? Right, right. Truth is getting complicated. As far as I can tell, if we were to put fake news into a dictionary, the definition of fake news would be any news that doesn't agree with me. And the other day, I was on Facebook, which is always a mistake, as you know. I'm um, on Facebook, and I have some groups that I'm in. And I wanted to share a news story. But this news story was satire. Uh, so it was made up for the, for the, uh, the purpose of being funny. Um, and this place is called the Babylon Bee. Maybe you've heard of the Babylon Bee. It's a satire Christian news site. And I went to repost this. And Facebook, in its infinite wisdom, decided to let me know that my post was fake news. Because it was satire. Thanks, Facebook. I'm aware of that as I post from the widest known Christian satire website. I had figured that out. And then I I, I came to this, this realization that Facebook, as a community, was trying to define truth for me. No thanks, Zuckerberg. No thanks. So I say to my kids sometimes. I'm like, no, thank you. No, thank you. Facebook wants to define truth. Truth is always truth. I want to ask you a question. So we're, we're, studi- we're doing four weeks on the Bible, the most read book in the history of mankind. In the Bible, what does it say is the pillar of, and foundation of truth. Okay. Anyone else want to guess? we got one brave person in this whole church. It is a trick question. I'm sorry. I don't even know who said it, but uh, you, said, you said the word. But that's actually not what the Bible says. And so I want us to consider today, as we start learning about the Bible in this series, that you've heard it said, If you've been in Christian circles for a while, you have heard somebody say, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. It's a very Protestant thing to say. You've heard it said. But I tell you, Scripture culminates in community. Because truth is truth. Right? And the same Paul who wrote this, this passage we read in the very beginning. that talks about, all, hey, Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is useful. The same guy wrote this to the same person, even. He said, although I hope to come to you soon, Timothy, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. What does the Bible say is the pillar and foundation of the truth? The church. For some of us who have grown up in Protestantism or have been a part of of, of this for a long time, this is a very countercultural idea for us. There's a lot of... Tension. Even as I'm writing this and I'm looking at Scripture, I'm like, this is what the Scripture says, but I feel the tension. Because when I think of what is truth, I think it's the Bible. And that's why we're studying the Bible. We believe the Bible is true. And the truth is, as we talked about last week, we were talking about this series, people have a lot of questions about the Bible. We talked about how if you were to look it up, you could find out that 538,000 searches a month happen on YouTube for how to study the Bible? It is a question people are asking. More than half of American adults, 58%, wish they knew the Bible better. We go through these these four weeks of this series, I want you to know that you can read and understand the Bible. You can. You absolutely can. But I wanted to start this series off by reminding you that Scripture culminates in community. It comes to its best in community. Because the truth is, if everyone could Google search how to study the Bible and on their own figure it out, well then people would stop searching for it. I figured it out. But too many people are trying to find a way in our culture to independently on their own, on their own two feet, the American dream them the Bible. But scripture culminates in community. I found a cool little video. Some of you guys have seen some Bible project videos because you were in life groups last year. Uh, I found a real great uh, Bible project video about the public reading of Scripture. Till that on for me, Trev. I was reading the Bible, which you know is kind of hard to do, but I came across this verse that says, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and
1: teaching. Yeah, this is in Paul's letter to Timothy, who's a young pastor, and he's telling him about ways that he can keep his church community engaged with scripture. Okay, so preaching the Bible,
0: I get. Teaching from the Bible, I get that too. But what about this reading scripture together thing? Is that something I'm supposed to care about? Why did Paul think it was so important?
1: Oh, man, for Paul, this was a really significant practice for the people of God. Think all the way back to Mount Sinai, where the Israelites were just rescued from Egypt. They're no longer slaves, and they need a new identity, a new story to live by. So Moses, he gathers the people together, and he reads the scriptures aloud. He reminds them of where they came from who they are, and the new future that they are called to live for. This was the first public reading of Scripture in the Bible. Yeah, and it didn't stop there. When the people finally got into the land, they did it again. Joshua pulled the people together, and they all listened to the Scriptures read aloud so they could remember where they came from and how they could keep living as a part of this new story. So this is something
0: they did all the time then?
1: Well, actually, no. After Joshua died, we do not have any more stories of the people coming together to hear God's word. Instead, the people forgot their story and a whole generation arose that did not know their God or what God had done for them. But then, centuries later, a king named Josiah rediscovered the scriptures. And he was so excited that he called Israel to begin this practice once again. It sparked a renewal movement. That is, until the people forgot once more, and they ended up in exile. And so this is why, when Ezra and Nehemiah came back from the exile, they needed to remind the people who they are and how they are to live. So this is a powerful practice. Yeah, in fact, reading scripture together became a core part of Jewish life. It was done every week as they gathered in synagogues. Jesus himself participated in this practice. He even launched his mission during the weekly reading of the scriptures. He read from the scroll of Isaiah and then he told everyone these words were about him. And that brings us all the way back to the early church where Paul told Timothy to keep this practice going to immerse the whole community in the story of the scriptures. Okay, but here's the thing. Most people back then didn't know how to read so they had to do it publicly but I can read the Bible by myself. Yeah, and you should totally do that. But don't underestimate the power of this ancient practice. Reading the Bible by yourself can be hard. It can be easy to get distracted, but something happens when you hear God's word read aloud and when you're with other people. And besides, it's really easy. You don't need anyone to preach or teach. You just need to listen to the scriptures and then talk about what you've heard. This is what God's people have always done when they enter into new and uncertain times. They remember their story and who they are through the public reading of the scriptures.
0: I love that guy's voice. (laughs) I can't even imitate it. I I wish I could. I love his voice so much. Public reading of scripture. Scripture as... Community is something that's been integral to the life of the church for a long time because scripture culminates in community. And I like what they say, like, hey, should I read the Bible by myself? Yeah, you should. But the best understanding of scripture comes when we we come together as a community and we're able to kind of, as iron sharpens iron, get each other to to the better truth as we learn more about what God is teaching us. Because truth is always truth, And our foundation for that is Jesus. If every copy, every manuscript, every bit of scripture vanished tomorrow, the story of Jesus would still be true and would still be life-changing. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to couch all this with, with how much I love the Bible. And how incredible of a gift it is to us that we usually take completely for granted. But Jesus doesn't say the Bible is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through the Bible. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is always truth, and the truth is Jesus. And that truth is expressed to us through the Scriptures, but even if they were all to vanish, Jesus would still be the way, the truth, and the life. <coughs> Pardon me. And what's even more amazing is that the author of Hebrews in Scripture teaches us more about Jesus when he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this same Jesus, who's our way, our truth, and our life, never ever changes because truth is always truth and so it doesn't change because Jesus doesn't change and his love for us doesn't change so truth is always truth and i believe the bible's truth it is the expressed words of God for us, written over thousands of years by many different people, guided by the Holy Spirit. A gift, a beautiful gift to us. Truth is always truth. Say it. Truth is always truth. But I don't always know what truth is. Truth is always truth. But I don't always know what truth is. Who here is always right? There, I, I get it. Uh, my joke with my wife is that I am consistently right eighty percent of the time. She hates that. She said it once. She the word it came out of her mouth. You're right about eighty percent of the time, and she's regretted it for years. <laughs> Truth's always truth, but Pastor Eric up here, Bible college twice, three no three times, three times. I don't always know what truth is. And I like to think of myself as pretty smart. I don't think I'm an idiot. Sometimes I act like an idiot. But at my best, 80%. You think you're always right? You're probably not, because you ain't Jesus. But I understand how you feel that way. I feel that way sometimes. I I sometimes like to echo the words of Moses, where Moses, in, in the books of Moses, wrote, that Moses was the most humble person who ever lived. You wrote that about yourself, Moses? Doesn't sound very humble. But I don't always know what truth is. And the Bible actually shows us this in many different places because the Bible is full of stories about broken, messed up people. If you think you're going to read the Bible and you're going to find all these perfect people doing God's will perfectly, you're going to be very disappointed. The Bible is full of screw-ups. My favorite of these is a little teeny verse in Galatians 2. So this guy, Paul, is writing to a church in Galatia, and he's writing a bunch of different things, but he drops this little note here. He says, by the way, church, when Cephas, which is another name for Peter, Peter the Apostle, walked with Jesus, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. (laughs) That's some harsh words. So you have this interaction of these early Christians, both of whom are authorities and leaders in the church. Peter, who walked with Jesus. Paul, who was the, the great missionary Paul, who went all over Asia and planted churches. And at one point, they came together, and they had an argument over what truth is. This case had to do with a Judaizing heresy. But Paul steps up and he says, you know what? I condemned him to his face as he was wrong. If Peter, who walked with Jesus, can be wrong, so can you. But look what happens when the scriptures culminate in community. When there's community revolving around the scriptures and truth, there are people to provide accountability and grace and love to each other so somebody can step up and say, dude, I don't think that's right. And that's what Paul, that's what Paul did here. The truth is, you don't always know what truth is. And the easiest way to find this, how true this is, is our good friend, the internet. Where every wackadoodle in the known universe, wackadoodle, that's a theological term, can just write whatever they think. I can find you on the internet every witched way you should be interpreting the Bible. And most of the really crazy, nutty, heretical ones are people who have said, every church is wrong, so now I have to stand for truth on my own, because I'm the only one who has figured it out. That's when people get real crazy. Everyone else is wrong, and I am right. Maybe you've had a day like that. I have. Somebody says something I don't like on the internet, and I have to. Did Pastor Tim talked about this week. Somebody is wrong on the internet. I have to fix it. Oh God, help us. Truth is always truth, but I don't always know what truth is. Say it with me. So I need community to help me. Good. You agree with me. I like that. 80% of the time, I'm right. I need community to help me because scripture culminates in community. Acts 15 is a different side of this thing with Peter and Paul going on here. It says, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. And so the apostles and elders met to consider this question. When there was an issue in the church over what the Bible meant, the way that they resolved it was not a prophetic word from God to give to one person, but it was found in the community of the church coming together under the Holy Spirit and saying, we're going to consider this, and we're going to listen, and we're going to pray, and in community, we are going to try to determine what the will of God is, is found in the Bible. And this is beautiful when it works. And this is incredibly challenging, church, in our culture. Because this is not how our culture is wired. For us, it's truth is relative. I have my truth. And I can tell you from pastoral experience, When somebody in the community of the church is going off into some kind of error, has made some kind of mistake, when you step up and you tell them, hey, I don't think that's right. People don't just stay in and and, and deal with it. What they do is they go right out the door. Which usually I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, you know, whatever. I can't make anyone do anything. But how much healthier is it when we have conflict, when we have a question of what's right and wrong, that we're in community so that we can resolve it as a community? Because as we've mentioned a few times here at church, church is supposed to be family. And families are dysfunctional when somebody gets upset and they leave. When they leave your family, they won't reconcile. That's considered a dysfunctional part of a family. Well, it's just as dysfunctional in the church. Whenever somebody upsets you or whenever somebody disagrees with you, and you say, you know what? Well, then I'm going to the church down the road. It's dysfunctional. Because Scripture actually culminates in community, but you will never experience that if you constantly rip yourself out of community and go on to the next one. You will never experience that if you don't have true accountability in a church where you have given people who you love, who are family, permission to tell you you are wrong. There are people in my life who have permission to tell me I am wrong and I don't like it. Nobody likes that but it's really good for me. It's really good for me. When those rare 20% things roll around, and I'm not right, that Craig can walk up to me and tell me, Eric, I, I, think you're, I, don't, I don't think you've got this. Or, wow, Eric, you're really being a turd to your wife. Stop that. I have friends, not just Pastor Craig, but Pastor Craig's one of them, who have full permission to kick me in my hindquarters when I'm being stupid. Now, maybe you're better than me. You never have moments where you're being stupid, but I have moments where I'm being dumb. And I need somebody to just... <clears throat> and it's, it hurts. Ever been kicked in the butt? Doesn't feel good. Maturity and true Christian community and true understanding of the Bible, as we get every other thing this month on how we study and learn from the Bible, it all culminates in the community of the saints. Because truth is always truth. But I don't always know what truth is. So I need, I need, I need. And I will have to not just need that community, I have to want that community, I have to embrace that community, because I need you to help me. And you need everyone else to help you. And you are not going to be able to effectively get into the Bible and learn everything you need to know on your own. And throughout history, the Bible's never been meant to be read that way. And you look in the Bible itself, and it's really all these examples, it's not meant to be read that way. The, The church is always happening in community, and discussing scriptures in community with each other. I need community to help me. Would you pray with me?